Uh, let me just publicly express my love and affections for this church, Epiphany Fellowship. You've given me room to, uh, to grow and to, uh, some of you have allowed me to, entrusted me to, to shepherd uh, in some ways and counsel in some ways, and you've given me room to grow as a preacher and um, as a teacher and as a leader, and I'm just grateful for this church. You will be uh, dearly missed. I cannot thank God for uh, this church without thanking God for our elders. Can y'all help me to thank God for the pastors of this church? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, you don't have to turn there. He says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy. And then he says, of double honor especially those that labor in teaching and preaching or word and doctrine. And um, I have got to sit uh, for the last two years in every single elders meeting. Um, couldn't say nothing, wasn't an elder, so I got rebuked if I said anything. So I just sat like a fly on the wall. Um, and sometimes those elders meetings were, were three and four hours. Um, and we just sat and, you know, Pastor E's going to order some food. So we, I, I got to eat. They let me in on that. Uh, but I didn't talk much. And so, or I didn't talk at all. But there's two things I really learned while watching these elders um, just operate together. First thing is that they love this church and that they love each and every member. And I, I've got to watch them pray and uh, lead this church, and it's just been spectacular. The second thing that I've learned is, man, it only, only the Holy Spirit can take five dynamic leaders and have them operate in concert with one voice to lead this church um, and I'm grateful for that. I cannot thank God for the elders without thanking God for, uh, I affectionately call him the bishop, uh, my spiritual father, Dr. Eric Mason. Can you help me thank God for, for a bishop? Yeah. If I was you, I'd be standing, but. Yeah. It's, uh, it's real emotional for me, you know, um, Pastor E spends a lot of times with the church planters, and I, I've just got to six days a week, I got to spend time, sometimes seven days a week, I got to just spend time with him, travel with him. Uh, this is how I knew I was a son. I knew I was a son. We, we were on a flight one time. I'm not going to tell that story. I, I knew you thought, you thought I was going somewhere else. But I, we were on a flight, and, um, and I'm sitting next to Pastor E, and you know, we're reading, and then we both just zonk out. I mean, he snores, so we were like, he was snoring, snoring. We were, we were out. And um, yeah, I'm telling it all. I'm getting reckless on my last Sunday. This is, what it, this is what happens. And so we're on this flight, and we're both sitting there. We're both all asleep. And out of, I mean, the flight was smooth. And out of nowhere, we hit, I think we hit a cloud. It just like, bow. And I made the girliest noise. <laughs> and I cuddled up with Pastor E <laughs> like he was Thai. Now, now let, me, let me just explain something. If somebody would have took a picture of that, he would have automatically been discounted from trying to write Manhood Restored. There is no more Manhood Restored at that moment. But I screamed so loud and cuddled up with him. And he, he was scared, too. He didn't want to admit it, but he was scared, too. You know, but he act tough. We got off the flight. He calls Yvette, and he tells Yvette. And then he rebukes me like, man, don't ever, don't ever cuddle up with me like that again. I said, I'm a son, man. I'm a, I'm a son. I, this, this, is, this is what I do. Let me just thank God for, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to jump in, but I want to do these farewells real quick. And just want to thank God for, um, 
Before I thank God for Ty, let me just say to you, Pastor, um, I feel like I'm moving quick, but let me just say to you, I feel like I'm leaving here um, a better man, a better husband, a better father. Um, better man because of your investment. I didn't know this was going to happen. Um, you, you have been... Um, a huge blessing for me. I don't think you even realize it. What I said on that text this morning to you, I meant every word of it. And um, I'm a son for life, man. Sonship for me doesn't stop today. Sonship is, uh, it, it, it deepens now. Um, and, and I'm just grateful for you and grateful for your time. There's moments where you sacrifice. There's moments where I know you were personally going through and just did not have time uh, for my questions, but yet you took them with grace, and um, you've never left a text un-text un back. You always text back. You always pick up and, and answer, and I'm just grateful for you, and I'm excited to see what the next uh, season of our life looks like, and I can just tell you now, um, I'm two and a half hours away. You can come up 95 and jump over Verrazano and get on the BQE, and around exit 23 is where you'll find me, but I, I can promise you this, that you have a ride or die son with you, always, always. Um, let me thank God for, for Ty and the boys, my boys, my wife Ty. Can y'all help me thank God for her as well? She, um, you know, she, she's been just, just a trooper. I remember when I first came to her, and I was working in corporate America, and I was, I was doing all right by the grace of God in corporate America. I was moving up the corporate ladder. I thought I was going to be transitioned down to Alpharetta, Georgia. They were going to re relocate me, and Ty loves Alpharetta. We were excited about it, and then the Lord called me, and that conversation uh, with Ty and I was interesting. It's like, okay, I'm going to leave corporate America. Uh, we need to move out of the suburbs, and we need to move into the inner city to do life in the inner city. I, I need to, to not just leave corporate America and get paid by Epiphany Fellowship, but I need to raise my support for two years and uh, you know, that conversation can go either one or two ways. That can go, that can go really bad really quickly, um, or the Spirit can lead her, and, and which he did, and she said, let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm following you um, because I believe the Lord has called you. Um, and I just want to thank God for her. There, there are nights where I just, I wasn't there. We were traveling or um, trying to raise support, and she's just been, um, she's been great, man. And I just thank God for Ty and even the boys, they sacrifice for me. Discipleship starts at home for me. Amen. I can just tell you now, I would shut everything down if I was failing at home. So I'm grateful for uh, them. So let me move on. If you guys can open up to Matthew chapter 7. Thank God for the team that's here from Brooklyn as well. Uh, parts of New York. Thank God for Steve uh, and uh, Brent from uh, Orchard Group. Grateful for you traveling here as well, Brent. Uh, deep partnership for us. Open up to Matthew chapter 7 is where we'll spend our time. If you can do me a favor, it's our custom. If you guys can stand for the reverence and reading of the word of God. Thank God for my parents as well. They're here as well. Mom, dad, love you guys. All right, so Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Normally, I'll start, you guys finish. I, it's four verses. I'm just going to read them, uh, and you guys can follow along if you don't have a Bible. Uh, there are scriptures on the projection. Verse 24 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine 
and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the flood came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall. I want to spend some time talking today uh, from the topic building on a sure foundation. Building on a sure foundation. Let's pray. Father, uh, Father, we gather ourselves weekly, not for entertainment, um, but we gather ourselves weekly to hear from you. All of us in here, we need the Holy Spirit to move on us now. We wouldn't have got up this morning, brushed our teeth, got the kids ready, took showers, and uh, rushed out of the house to come here for anything else but uh, to anticipate what you're going to say to us. And so, Father, would you let your word today be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths? Speak to us. Help me to be faithful to your word, faithful to your text for our short amount of time together. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. On August 9th, 1173, an Italian architect by the name of Bonanno Pisano began to build his most famous building. And it's the most famous building in Italy. And that is a building called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Anybody know that building? Anybody ever seen that building? The build, it kind of tilts to the side. It's an over 14,000-ton building that sits 18 feet, leaning 18 feet off of the center. Now, I, I don't know if you've seen the movie Superman. It's in the movie Superman where Superman flies all the way from America, flies to Italy, and pushes the, the building up straight. And remember the Italian guy has his uh, ornaments, and they're tilted, and he looks at the, what Superman just did, and now he can't use them. Anybody remember this story? And he smashes them on the ground, and he flips uh, Superman the bird, and he does one. Of the, can I do this in, in the pulpit? He, I can't do that. I told you all I'm reckless today. I told you all. He does an obscene gesture to Superman. Let's just put it that way. Um, but this shows us the, the, how, how important this building is and that even movies would show this building. The interesting thing about this building is it's leaning not because the architect did not build the building correctly. It's leaning because of two things. Number one, because the foundation was only three feet meters deep. And the second is because of the soft soil that it was built on. Now, it's sitting in a city called Pisa. Pisa, Pisa literally means mushy ground. Like, you would have thought the architect would have knew then. Yeah. It literally means mushy ground. And so I bring this, this point up to you today to, to show you that is exactly what Jesus is talking about in this text. He is saying that a skillful builder will build his life and build his ministry strictly on a solid foundation, and that foundation is the words of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing he's showing us. If you look in this text that we're in today, it's not, it's, this parable is not as famous as the Good Samaritan. It's not as famous as the prodigal son, but it's equally as important simply because of its strategic location in the text. This parable comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The most famous sermon, not just by Jesus, but the most famous sermon, period, ever. 
that anyone ever preached is the, is the Sermon on the Mount. In this sermon, you can find Jesus talking about how he fulfills the law. He talks about anger. He talks about lust. He goes through a bunch of other things, fasting, judging others. And he says at the end of this sermon, would you think he would give encouragement? He gives a warning of not following his word, not being a, not just simply being a hearer, but being a doer of the word. Let's look at the verse together. Verse 24, verse 24, he says, everyone, let's stop right there. I, I want to stop there simply because we run the risk of hearing this text and thinking this doesn't apply to us. But Jesus just said, everyone then who hears. That means everybody in this room is either in one or two categories. You are either building wisely or building in folly. There is no such thing as someone that's not building. You are building something. What are you building your life on is what Jesus is showing us. But look at what he says in the rest of the verse. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. He deals with two aspects, hearing and doing. He focuses on doing, but that's not to say that hearing is not important. Anyone in here that is a believer in Jesus Christ had to first hear the gospel had to first hear the words. Hearing is essential to conversion. It's essential. Not just a conversion, but hearing is essential to spiritual growth as well. That is why every single Sunday you come into this church, you will hear the gospel. There's no such thing as a gospelless pulpit here. Gospelless pulpits are a dangerous church to be in. But this church will stand firm on the words of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10, Paul says, how then can they call on him who they have not believed? And how can they believe in whom they've never heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? Preaching, hearing the words of Jesus Christ is essential. But Jesus is not just talking about his words here. More broadly, he's talking about all of his words. And more broadly, even than that, he's talking about everything in Scripture. Everything in Scripture is not meant to just be read, but it's meant to be applied. Everything in Scripture. There's no such thing as you just reading. This is not a textbook. This is an authoritative word of God, and this is what we should build our lives on. So he, he deals with hearing, but listen what he says. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Jesus shows us that wisdom here is not based on information that you have retained. Wisdom here, Jesus defines as information that you've retained and applied. There's no such thing as somebody, that's why it, it baffles me when people think other people are wise because they know a bunch of scripture. Just because you know a bunch of scripture doesn't make you wise. What makes you wise according to Jesus' definition of wisdom is purely based on what you do with what you know. Don't come here and just hear the words. Don't open your Bible and just read the words, but seek to apply the word of God because Jesus is showing us that there's two types of builders. Don't miss this. This is a parable. Two types of builder. One is not wise, but one is wise, and wisdom is based on how you build. So Jesus says, a wise man builds his house on the rock. Jesus is talking about his words. The rock he's talking about 
is the word of God. Let me just explain something to you. Jesus here is not contradicting himself. He's not saying, because he didn't say, build your life on me, it's not a contradiction. Matthew 21, Jesus, later on in the chapter, Jesus is going to say, later on in the book, Jesus is going to say, I'm the chief cornerstone. But Jesus here saying, build your life on the word is not a contradiction because the word finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. All of the word, all 66 books find their complete fulfillment in Jesus. Remember when Jesus is standing before the uh, Pharisees and he says in John chapter 5, you search the scriptures for in them you think you find life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Remember Luke 24 when Jesus is standing with the two men on the road to Emmaus and remember they, they were sad because Jesus died and this is before his ascension and he literally walked them through a Bible study. I wish I could have been there for that Bible study. Jesus says, or the scripture says, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets and all of the scriptures, he interpreted to them the things concerning himself. Beginning with Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Torah, the Pentateuch. Jesus is saying, Moses wrote about me. And then he says, all of the prophets, we think that just Isaiah wrote about him, but minor prophets, every major prophet pointed to Jesus. And then he says all of scripture. And so Jesus saying, build your life on the word of God. Jesus is simply saying, you're building your life on me. That is what Jesus is showing us in the text today. One of the things I am taking away from my time here at Epiphany Fellowship is a deeper love and affection for the word of God. Spending time with Pastor E, it's no way, it's contagious. It's no way you cannot love the word of God. When I first came here, I was literally mesmerized by just how he thought through the Bible and how he applied it. And, and I was like, man, dad, I didn't even think that scripture applied there, but it does. And, and honestly, watching him do that has been a huge blessing for me. I'm able now to leave here with that. In fact, For part of my residency, Pastor E says to me, he calls me, he says, listen, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to write for me a one-year calendar, preaching and teaching calendar that you're going to utilize in New York. Pray about it, talk to people, find out the the culture in Brooklyn, but I need you to write out for me a one-year calendar. And what, what I didn't realize, but I realize now is what he was saying is, I need to make sure that you're building this church on the word of God. Don't build this. Let me just let you in on a church planner's secret. We are easily enticed to build our churches on events, build our churches on hot websites, build our churches on social media. None of that stuff will sand. That's building your ministry on sand. Jesus is saying the only way that you'll be secure in the storm is to build it off of my words. And his words point to him. All of scripture points to Jesus. Let's look. So one of the things that people often, they don't like to build their their lives and their ministry off the word of God because it actually takes work. It does. It takes work. In fact, this same exact passage, this same exact passage in Luke, when Luke's account of it, Luke says this, Luke says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. Listen to verse 48. He is like a man building his house, who dug deep. That's what Luke says. And that takes work. Immature people want to grab the paintbrush when mature Christians are grabbing the shovel. 
We should be grabbing the shovel. See, you know, you know you're building your life on sand when you're trying to rush to get to the housewarming party and other people are still with the shovel digging until they hit rock bottom. That is what we must be like. We must dig deep. Don't try to lay hardwood floors and granite countertop. Stay in the ground digging and, and land on a rock place, which is his word. That is what Jesus is showing us here. But let's keep going because what Jesus does now, he's going to show us, he's going to show us the importance of building on a solid foundation. Verse number 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Sand is a, a, a very unstable surface. I don't know if anybody in here has ever tried to run on sand. My, I used to play football in high school, and I, I know I don't look like it anymore, but I, I used to actually be okay. My mom can vouch for me. She's here. She was at every game, and my dad is here as well. We, I was okay, um, but I remember one offseason, the coach calling me. His name is John Amabile. He called me and he said, hey, I need you to meet me down at the shore. Now, I grew up on the Jersey Shore, and there's a, a boardwalk that runs the entire shore. I need you to meet me down at the shore, you and a couple of other guys. Cool, no problem. I need you to meet me at 6 a.m. All right, cool. I get down there at 6 a.m. He says, I need you guys to run a mile. So we're like, that's no problem. We're going to run on the boardwalk. No, 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 no. I need you to run a mile on the sand. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to do that, but it is an unstable surface. It shifts right under your feet. And so when I'm reading this text, I'm saying, who in the world would want to build a house on the sand? But then I realized that Jesus called him a fool. Jesus says he's a fool. And, and the Greek word that Jesus uses for fool is moros, which is where we get our word moron from. It literally means moron or stupid. And so Jesus is saying the person that builds, that hears my words, because both men heard the word, the person who hears my words goes out and builds on sand is a stupid fool. It's harsh, but it's, it's tight, but it's right. That's what Jesus is saying. You're a, he, you're a stupid fool. Why would you want to build on, a, on, a stable, on an unstable foundation when you can build on a solid one? On a solid one. Listen what Jesus said. Listen what the, what, what the text pulls out. Folly is not shown by a lack of understanding here. Folly is shown by understanding and not doing. That's why Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools dis excuse me, despise wisdom. And fools despise instructions. A fool does not, he hears Jesus' words, but he goes and finds something else to build his life on. So the sand here represents you trying to build your life on education. You trying to build your life on what zip code you live in, what, what car you drive, your skills. Anybody, your skills will not survive the storm. I don't care how skilled you are. I don't care how much you think you know. You, it will not save you on the day the storm hits. And so Jesus is showing us that here. But he also shows us in this passage that a life that is built on the word of God will be tested by storms. Both men heard the word, but both men were in a storm. It doesn't matter if you're wise. It doesn't matter if you're a fool. It doesn't matter if you build on sand. It doesn't matter if you build on a rock. Both men endured a storm and every single person in here whether you're a believer or whether you're not 
you will be tested by a storm. Don't ever think that, storm, that storms aren't coming for you. My father, he, he, uh, he, he does something interesting when, when he wants to communicate something to me. He'll give me a book on the subject. He, I don't know if he noticed he does, but he does all. He'll be like, hey, I, I need you to pick up so-and-so, so-and-so. I was at his house, and, and he, uh, he, he gave me a book that's called Preaching Through the Storms when I first came in on staff here and in ministry. Preaching Through the Storms by H. Beatrick Hicks. I don't know if you ever read that book, but the book is literally about what the title is. It's about how this pastor preached through a storm that broke out in his church. By the end of the book, the storm has resided, peace is restored in the church, but he interestingly names the last chapter of the book, The Storms Keep Coming. I thought that was an anticlimactic way to, to end a book. I'm like, you're going to end a book by telling me another storm is coming? But that is the truth of the matter. Storms will come in your life. It does not matter if you're building on a solid foundation. It doesn't matter. The rain fell on both houses. The winds beat against both houses. The floods rose against both houses. There is no such thing as a, as a Christianity that is exempt from trials and go through. That's a lie that you hear on TBN. That is not the truth. That, I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't right. It's a lie you hear on TV. Let's put it that way. You will endure storms. Do not, do not believe the preacher that says the moment you've put your faith in Christ that all storms reside. It's not true. In fact, it's actually going to bring on a storm. That's why the scripture says, that's why the scripture tells us that those that want to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Doesn't say they might. Doesn't say they, it's a possibility. No, you will be tested. But there's a beauty in the storm. Notice that, notice that both men, now we often think that the person that disobeys God, or disobeys Christ is the one that's in the storm. Jonah was in the storm because he was disobedient. But if you read Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the disciples to get in the boat and cross over to the other side. They were 100% obedient and still endured the storm. So don't tell me that you're not going to endure a storm. You're going to endure a storm. So don't think that Christianity is all sunny days. And if you are the type that gets, dis- that gets um, uh, depressed when clouds come in, you're in for a long ride here on earth. Clouds will rise, rain will fall, the floods will come, and the storms will come. But there's something interesting about this storm. Something very interesting. The interesting part about this storm is that Jesus literally could have sent one of the elements to wipe out the house. But he doesn't. The Bible says, and the rain, not if the rain, and the rain fell, and the winds blew, and the flood came. All three elements Jesus sent at the same time. This is not a light, a light passing shower this is a, a category five hurricane. And even in the midst of that, the one that has built his life on the word of God will be able to stand even the strongest storms that is in your life. I don't care what you go through. When you have placed your faith in Jesus and you're building your life on this word, you can endure the storm. The builder, the builder did not endure the storm because he was a skillful builder. He didn't endure it because he was skillful. In fact, the scripture doesn't say anything about how he built the house. 
It just simply says he built a house. The only reason this house stood was because of the foundation. That's it. That's it. The only reason it stood is because of the foundation. In fact, these houses, most commentators say that these houses are probably identical. They probably use the same material, probably have the same amount of windows, probably the same height. But you gotta, you gotta notice something. You didn't know which house was which until the storm came. The storm revealed the foundation. We know what's underneath of us simply based on the storm. It's the only reason we know what's underneath. Purely based on the storm. That's why, that's why one of my favorite theologians, Charles Spurgeon, says, I've learned to kiss the wave of affliction that throws me against the rock. I've learned to kiss the wave of affliction that throws me against the rock of ages. Why? Because the storm revealed the foundation that you was on. See, this is why I don't care nothing about how much you pray. I don't care nothing about how much scripture you memorize. I don't care if you have your What Would Jesus Do bracelet on, your John 316 shirt on, your skinny jeans. You know, we can't be Christians today without skinny jeans. I don't care what you have that seems spiritual in your life. You must understand that we are revealed by what's underneath, and that is revealed by the storm coming. That's revealed by the storm coming. Both men in this text don't just appear to be builders, but both men appear to be wise. Notice that both men built. They both, if you were in the house on a sunny day, you would not know which one you were in. You wouldn't know. But it was revealed once Jesus sent the storm. We got to see once he sent the storm who was wise and who was a fool. But you couldn't see it on a sunny day. Don't cry about storms that come in your life. Buckle up. Put your chin up and get in the word of God. Get in the word of God. Don't run straight to counsel. Don't try to run someone. The first thing you do when the storm hits is open up this word and find the text that applies to your soul. Find the text that applies to your soul. Last point I want to make on, on, on this uh, I got three minutes, and when Pastor E does this when you're preaching, it's not a good sign, so I want to finish up. I, I've learned that while I was here. I'm going to take that with me, too. When Danny starts to preach, I'm going to just go like this a little, just, just because. Something you're going to have to understand about, about this, about Jesus' parable here. Jesus shows us the indestructible nature of the Word of God. Wow. 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 He shows us that. Isaiah 40 and 8 says the grass withers. And the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand. And then it says, forever. The word of God will stand forever. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. Jesus says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Everything in your life may, sh may shake. Everything in your life may shift, but the word of God stands firm through generations through, it doesn't matter ethnicities, socioeconomic backgrounds. The word of God will stand forever. Eternity. We'll be in heaven rejoicing over this book. The scripture says forever. That doesn't just mean forever here. That's eternity. We'll be able to rejoice in the book. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word 
will not pass away. Now this is not, I'm finishing up, but this is not a, a, a parable on um, a wise Christian and a foolish Christian. That's not what this is. Because the last part of this chapter in, in verse 27, it says, and great was the fall. There is no great fall for a believer. Jesus took the great fall. So we don't have to, there's no great fall. So this isn't, this isn't a warning for being wise when you get to heaven and being unwise. This is a warning of a believer and an unbeliever. That's what Jesus is showing us here. Jesus is showing us that great is the fall. This is interesting to me that Jesus does not end the Sermon on the Mount. He's preached for three chapters, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. And he ends the sermon, the most famous sermon, by giving us a warning. And I don't know what you're building your life on in here today. Maybe you are building it on your job. Maybe you are building on your career. I know there's doctors in here. There's lawyers in here. There's some people that make $225,000. Holler at me if you make that much. I'm, I'm, tr I'm, I'm trying to plant a church and we need resources. That's a shameless plug, but it's Brent's here. He'll, he'll tell you he's mastermind at raising support. I'm telling you, if you make 250000 come talk to me. Right after service. I'll be right here. It doesn't matter if you make 250000 It doesn't matter if you make 20000 The point of the parable is that you must build your life on the word. My prayer as I end our time here, my last sermon with you is that, and I prayed long about what I was going to preach on my last sermon. I prayed long. My prayer is that you would walk out of here and be a doer of the word yes. and look at areas in your life that you're not building your life on the word of God. And I pray that you would begin to build your life on the word. Look at the response, and I'm not going to preach these texts, but look at the response of the crowd after Jesus preached. And when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings. For he was teaching them as one who had authority. That's the confidence I have. The confidence I have in going to Brooklyn, the confidence that Pastor Tommy, I think I can speak for him here, the confidence that he has in going to L.A. is not based on anything skillful that we could do. It's purely based on the authority of Jesus Christ. Pastor E preached Matthew chapter 28. I don't know if you all remember when he preached the Great Commission uh, about a month ago. And, and before Jesus in that text says to go therefore and make disciples, Jesus says something profound in verse 18. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so I'm now able to go to Brooklyn. I was walking the streets of Brooklyn yesterday, and I'm talking with people, and, and, I, and I almost could get intimidated just by the fast-pacedness, by, by the aggressiveness. Brooklyn people are aggressive. I'm telling you, they're aggressive. They will fight you. I could be fearful in that moment, but when I read that Jesus says, authority in, in Brooklyn is, is mine, I have complete jurisdiction over there. That gives me confidence. And so I pray that you would build your life on the word today. I pray that you would walk out of here. Um, the, the, one of the most um, scary things for a pastor is that you would hear the word of God and walk out of here and do nothing with it. Some of you do not open this book until Sunday morning. I, I know that for a fact because I've talked with some of you. You do not open it until Sunday morning. Jesus is showing us here that our responsibility in being a wise builder 
is to build it completely on the word of God. Every head bow and every eye closed. I, I want to I pray for us, but before I do that, I, there are some of you that, that don't know Jesus. You're building on sand. What's interesting about this text is that you can't switch the foundation in the middle of the, in the middle of the storm. You have to build on a sunny day. And my prayer is that some of you that have built your life, built your ministry, we can start to play something. Built your life, built your ministry, built what the Lord has called you to do. You've built it on sand. My prayer today is that you would walk out of here and build it on the word of God. Do you realize that Jesus Christ was sitting at the throne of God being worshiped by angels? He chooses to come down on earth live 33 years of perfection. The Bible says not even deceit was found in his mouth. He never sinned. 33 years of perfection. Then goes to a cross and willingly gives up his perfect life for our sin. There's two things that happens on the cross. He takes our sin. And the Bible says it pleased the father to crush the son. And then he gives us his perfect righteousness. We're able to stand before God now as holy and blameless and righteous, purely based not on anything we've done, but purely based on Jesus Christ and his righteousness. So I pray for that there is, that there is somebody in here that I know that you're, you're building your life on sand. You know that you're building your life on sand. Tomorrow is not promised. If you're building your life on sand, my hope and deepest prayer as I close my last sermon here, my hope and deepest prayer is that you would switch that foundation today. If there's one person in here that can be honest, every head bow, that can be honest and say, I I'm not building my life off the word. I, I have not put my faith securely in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I went to life group. I went to Bible study. I went to church three and four times a week, but I have not built my life completely on Jesus Christ. I've, I've not trusted him. If you are that person, will you slip your hand in the air? If there's one person that can be honest, slip your hand in the air. We love to, nothing spooky. We just want to pray with you. We're going to take you out and just talk with you about the gospel and pray with you. He said one person. Amen. The, the last thing I want to do is I just want to, I want to pray for us. I want to pray that we would have a foundation inspection today. That we would make sure that our lives are being built on the words of Jesus and more broadly all of Scripture. All of Scripture is breathed by God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. This word is full. You can't exhaust it. It's like trying to swim to the bottom of the ocean and not have scuba gear on. You cannot do it. You cannot get to the end of this book. Put your faith in it. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for this place. Thank you that you've booby-trapped our lives as believers to hope in one thing, and that's the authoritative nature of your word. Psalms 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law for it is my meditation all the days. I pray that we wouldn't just read the word, pray that we wouldn't just memorize it, we wouldn't try to study Greek and Hebrew. My prayer today is simply that we would have affections for the word of God, that we would deeply fall in love with the word. Let the first thing we do 
before our feet hit the floor is open up your word and apply it. Help us to build our lives on a solid foundation. For you are that solid foundation. No other foundation can be laid except that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. We thank you and give you complete praise today. For you're the only one worthy of that praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our men are here and they're going to pass out communion. Communion is a time for believers. Um, If you're not a believer, we ask that you let this pass. Uh, But we ask that you would go so far as to not take a symbol of him, but take him. Maybe you didn't raise your hand and maybe you're not a believer. I ask that you would let it pass and talk to one of these guys that are passing out this communion. It's in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you guys.